You know, the Egyptians were these sort of just horrible, whiny oh, pests. He's already started talking. What are we... Chinese peasants what? are gross as fuck. What? No. Duh. You know, the Indians you basically read China. But, please. You know, India. Please. A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay a mortgage or your rent. All these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you're spent. Well, just to come, the captain said, the icebergs are the dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy, but what a feast for tired eyes, the poison of the boiling skies, everyone that wrote up spies, remember when the world was wise, we no, 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 no. Hey! Uh, it's episode eight of Weakness for Bleakness. My name is Kieran Stevenson, and by my side, as always, erstwhile companion and co-presenter, Darcy. Hi, bros. What's up? Uh, let's get right into it with our headlines this week. Darcy, do you want to start us off? This comes... Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. That was a bit... Bit too close to the microphone. This comes to us from the Australian via the Australian Associated Press. Get Up launches campaign to oust Peter Dutton. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So the Irish jack o' lantern is uh, facing backlash uh, from Get Up for his extreme right wing views. Last election, they trimmed his margin to 1.6%, which is they knocked 5.1% off his. Uh, off his margin. Wonderful work. So, although he remains maybe the most powerful man in government at the moment, he's mm-hmm. hanging onto his seat by a very slender thread. So, if Get Up can, oh yes, if they can swing like two thousand voters away from Peter Dutton, mm-hmm. then he's out. He's gone. That would be fucking phenomenal. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Uh, I do have to say, though, what a disappointment that we would have such a biased organisation seeking to speak on politics yeah, in yeah. this country. An activist charity group. Yeah. <laughs> Disgraceful. Disgraceful. Oh, man, that's really good. I was reading a little bit about uh, on GetUp's website about that that bill uh, that we talked about last week. Yeah, were they how, happy? Or were uh, they- not happy, because not only did it seek to limit... Uh, Funding uh, based on this, like, furphy of limiting foreign donors. Uh, Also, it has a requirement that every donor has to submit a stat deck signed and witnessed by a justice of the peace proving that they're an Australian citizen, which means that every single person (laughs) who donates, like, just five bucks online... (laughs) Has to fill out a statutory declaration. That is insane. It. Yeah, it's it's legitimately insane. Truly, truly insane. So if they can fucking get Dutton, who is a big time advocate of this insane bill, out on his ass and stop us from having another fucking crazy demagogue as our prime minister in however many years it takes for Labor to fuck it up and drop the ball. Well, Peter Dutton has responded in a very statesmanlike and uh, restrained fashion. That is his MO. They should also tell the people of Dixon about their links to the CFMEU and the Greens, and that they are in favour of people smugglers getting back into business. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. man. Talk about making misleading statements. <laughs> talk, talk about... I don't, I don't <coughs> think we should have this deranged psycho in our, uh, in our seat anymore. Yeah, well, you love people smugglers. Yeah, yeah. right. Good. Yeah. Case made. <laughs> I don't think uh, it says... I haven't been on GetUp's website much, but I don't think anywhere does it say we are in favour of people smugglers being back in business. No, they're generally pretty opposed to all human rights abuses, mm. including trafficking and enslavement of their fellow human beings. Yes. Um, <laughs> Dutton's also very angry because, uh, quote, most of the money they raise off the back of attacking me is not spent in Dixon, it is spent in New South Wales and Victoria, which is, I think, a non sequitur. It also suggests he doesn't really understand how... Yeah. Charities and political campaigns work. No. no. You're not allowed to <laughs> they take are the not money from posing as a place. stimulus package for the Dixon electorate. <laughs> they just want you to leave. <laughs> yeah. 
man, if anything, they're spending a disproportionate amount of their revenue on Dixon. Yeah, on 2,000 voters. It's, a mm. t- it's Basically, that works out at $10,000 per voter that they need to swing based on their cabinet. Yeah, wow, that's significant. You know what? Get up, you have my blessing. Wait, no, it doesn't. That's completely wrong. It works out at $100. But ah, still, good. That's a lot. I didn't listen to the Fuck, first title. That was bad. So sorry. Uh, that's all right. Sorry. Uh, eagle-eared listeners uh, of last week's episode <laughs> will have seen the multiple ways that I fucked up. Uh, so I think you're permitted. A, sorry, a David slight... Maine. I had a very good maths teacher. It's not David's fault. He was wonderful, <laughs> better, better than I deserved. Uh, the only real stumbling block for Get Up is that I was. I said before we started recording, they've already picked the easy fruit. Mm. Um, this 1.6% are going to be much harder to swing than the previous 5.1% they managed to push last time around. Yeah, sure. Um, but, you know, Peter Dutton's also been a lot more disgraceful and revolting. Yeah, his public profile then. has risen dramatically and almost entirely in a negative light. Although- oh, God, he's appalled. Do you know he boycotted Kevin Rudd's apology to the... Uh, I did know first, that. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'm not, fucking... I'm not surprised, but I didn't realise. Ah, uh, yeah. Just a really hateful, horrible prick, isn't he? He really is. He's <laughs> there's, there's really nothing redeeming about him. It's almost exciting to have uh, a villain so like thoroughly and completely embodied in the Australian Parliament. Oh, like God, Abbott he's... was just the silver surfer to this dickweed's Galactus. <laughs> And his fucking gigantic hungry mouth is hungry for everybody's happiness. Oh, I don't, I really don't understand where he's coming from. I'm glad I don't understand where he's coming from. He's a piece of shit. Good luck, get up. Good luck, get up, <laughs> please. And uh, good luck to the people of Dixon. Yeah, uh, as always, good luck to the people of Dixon. Except for those of you who keep voting him in, you fucking Immoral, amoral... Presumably they mostly work for his family business. (laughs) Puts them over a barrel. (laughs) Yeah, he's the uh, King Rosewater to their Rosewater, Indiana. That's a deep cut reference to a minor Vonnegut novel, to those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. Oh my God, it's time to move on, Kieran. (laughs) Uh, All right, my first... My first headline is Never... Senior Liberals in Damage Control After Party Vote to Privatise ABC. Oh, amazing. Yes. So the peak council of the Liberal Party voted two to one in favour of selling the ABC with very vague ideas about where the money should go. One, the IPA guy that was talking about where the money should go was like, oh, it could go to the Australian people who own the ABC. ABC. This weird... Kind of thing of stealing somebody's car from their yard and then giving them the money from the sale. Yeah. Well, a, a, a small cut of the money from the sale. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this, I couldn't get a good deal. The, <laughs> this was made even more incoherent, though, because they only want to privatise the urban broadcasting. Yeah, right. They want to keep the rural services. And mm. how the fuck you would manage to do that is completely beyond me. It's cra- it's straight out of the NBN playbook of just, like, maximum inefficiency for yeah. minimum return. It's, oh, God. It's, it's, uh, it blows my mind. So Hopefully this will break Michelle Guthrie out of her docile complacency, but oh, I, that I would d- be don't good. think it will. Yeah, It's probably. pretty much why they chose her to run the thing. Yeah, so that when this bill comes over the horizon, she'll be waiting with open arms. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of little, uh, points to this story. One, it was spearheaded by this young liberal fucking vampire who was like, oh, listen, I liked to watch bananas in pajamas as much as the next kid when I was a kid, but it's important not to let sentimentality, and then in parenthesis, which I'm adding, but still in his voice, or the idea that there might still be children existing who could benefit from the things that I benefited from when I was a child (laughs) to cloud our judgment. So they- that's ironic because the right wing of the Liberal Party are only motivated by sentimentality. They have no other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the irony was not lost on me. It's fucking crazy. Um, and it comes off the back of <laughs> Mitch Fifield has made six complaints oh, about yeah. the bias of the ABC. So he made a complaint against Emma Alberici about her coverage. Yeah, of when she the explained how, how taxation and uh, economic productivity works. I remember that. Yep. Uh, she's an economist. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, because she's like the chief <laughs> fucking financial editor of that uh, department or whatever. Uh, Laura Tingle, he made a complaint. He hates about Laura, yeah. Just recently, he's complained about Barry Cassidy. He's complained about the political bias of two comedy sketches. <laughs> I love it when they go after the comedy writers. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. His complaint against uh, Laura Tingle is because she suggested that. Uh, this is the by election time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Because the party had voted to make the. or had decided to make the by election Super Saturday uh, on the same day as Labor's Labor National Conference. conference yeah. Which has been on the same date for the last. Forever. Fucking ages. Just yeah. forever, basically. Uh, so, of course, they knew what they were doing. It takes an idiot to yeah. s- to suggest. Laura honestly. Tingle, by the way, was able to um, just really cogently say, well, it's not, I wasn't responding to a Labour Party rumour. I was responding to comments made by your own party members. Yeah. Parliamentarians, no less, <laughs> not just party members. And, you know, if I have to, I'll get them to fess up to it and Mm -hmm. it was dropped pretty quickly (laughs) yeah but nevertheless it's all contributing to this fucking crazy morass of uh also laura single's only been at the abc for 15 minutes she hasn't she's spent most of her life doesn't matter man mitch fifield is the political equivalent of the granny who refuses to stop writing letters to editors very true to close down the local paper that hasn't existed since the 1950s (laughs) yeah yeah exactly or to say i was kept up by the rowdy children in the neighbourhood the other night, and so I was watching television, and I was shocked and appalled by the rambunctious and saucy nature of the television programme Cheers, which I demand immediately be stopped being made. There's a psychotherapist on that programme. It's disgusting. They're all perverts. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Uh, if the, a- the the prospect of the ABC being sold is like very dark, and it's real, harrowing, and right? It would... The ABC is a really frustrating institution. If mm. you've got a strong political perspective of any shape, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But if you just want to, you know, respect the fact that they try to do a, a, a job of impartial mm. fact reporting, yeah, um, I and that love and, the ABC. And if you. Uh, pay any attention to the fact that news reporting makes up uh, one part of their remit, which also includes, you know, the only support that we get for local uh, industry in sort of film and TV uh, TV making. That's right. And the the work they do on the radio, which is incredibly important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a large organisation that does a lot of really good work. Sometimes it's frustrating. I agree. I want to fucking... I want them to be biased to the left. And so I'm sometimes frustrated by the even-handed nature of their yeah. reporting, which doesn't appeal to my, and <laughs> my I'll just own say, sensibilities. B- but by the way, um, you learn everything you need to know about mm. the Liberal Party based on the fact that the only news outlet they regularly attack in Australia mm. is also the most trusted and most impartial news outlet yeah. in the country. This is the other thing. They want a free market because they know that industry monsters succeed in free markets. Yeah, because their they're bosses really will good. control it, right? Yeah. That's their yeah. job. They're- so they just want only, like, Murdoch and Murdoch likes controlling... Better to rule Christ. in hell than serve in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> Indeed. So it's a fucking disgrace, should it ever happen. Yeah. Uh, what's your next headline, Darcy? Burston joins new Palmer Party minutes after saying he'd sit as an independent. <laughs> this is from Caitlin Gribben, writing for the ABC. <laughs> oh, uh, nice. Those shocking leftist, communist AB. Clive Palmer is coming back. Uh, having comprehensively failed as a senator, mm-hmm. comprehensively failed as a business businessman, he's now looking to uh, comprehensively fail as a hands-off party leader with a pet senator yep. in the form of Brian Burston, who joins the long line of uh, Pauline Hanson named mm. fucking political victims. <laughs> the, the, the ones that are on her side, not the ones that her policies and opinions have led to real damage in the actual world, but mm. just just the people who were stupid enough to support her and put their name on her ballot that she always destroys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> within it's seconds. Always the same bunch of sad, middle-aged men with mm. deep, sublimated rage issues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why. Don't know why. 
I was looking up uh, Petro Giorgio, former Liberal MP, because he used to hold the seat in my in my electorate. That's right. And uh, he was one of the he was one of the last Liberal Party members with a fucking conscience. And uh, so there's another, possibly Petro or possibly Peter Giorgio, because the article that I read used both <laughs> names an equal number of times. That's journalism. We don't know how Australian this uh, this so-called. Uh, mm. Man, maybe, but he was—he was a fucking one nation uh, senator or senate uh, candidate or something, and just the press photo that they used for him was the most tragic thing ever. <laughs> His doughy face, mouth half open, squinting it's, into the sun. It's going to be hard to find a good one, though, right? Yeah, that's really hard. It just th- this whole like really micro party. See, rogues gallery of senators are all fucking... This is the problem, isn't it, that it's a rogues gallery of senators. Minor mm. parties should be a really important part of the Senate. Yeah. And uh, they are, but in a very bad way at the moment, because all of the prominent minor parties are narcissistic little personality cults. Yeah, with, completely devoid of, like, coherent policy principles or anything completely, like that. Completely, yeah. Xenophon's all over the place and always has been, mm. you know, uh... He started out... Look, everyone was very excited about his anti-pokey stance, but yeah. he dropped it pretty fucking quickly and just started chasing <laughs> other cars down the road. Yeah, I think he got a little taste of being the the hero of the people also around the time of the hung parliament, and uh, he was suddenly on the news fucking yeah. every night and with so no, many... No thing. one notices that he never uses this influence of his to actually achieve anything, yeah. right? Other than get headlines. Mm. Clive Palmer is just... The dodgiest <laughs> fucking geezer on the planet. He's like the fucking William Randolph Hearst <laughs> of Funny Town or something. He's an absolute cartoon character. A bona fide moron in the medieval sense of the word. Yeah. Again, this is a man who somehow managed to lose his money during a resource boom. <laughs> yeah. Which puts him in the Remind level me- with George W. Bush. Yeah, yeah, remind me again of some of his great investment ideas. Queensland Nickel, generally. Mm. Titanic 2. Yep. A dinosaur park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the details of which were always sort of vague. And, and it, of course, it? his great investment in Jackie Lambie. <laughs> yeah, his greatest success to date. She is, actually. <laughs> this is the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fairness, she's kind of accidentally correct occasionally. Yeah, part of me loves Jackie Lambie because she is what happens. Like, people... Off, uh, I hear people talk about how good it would be to go back to the old tyrant system of just pulling a person out of the populace and putting them into positions of power. Oh, yeah. Jackie Lambie is I think exactly there's a, that. there's a good argument that the Senate should be like a kind of yeomanry collective, right, of mm. jurors or citizen jurors. Yeah, not- sure. But the thing is that you get a lot of Jackie Lambies yeah, who you are do. generally idiots... And hey, fucking don't have not, strong not, positions. Not, not saying but it's going to be an awesome system, but yeah. it's going to be better. Yeah, well, also the, the good thing about Jackie Lambie is that her conscience hasn't been quite compromised. I don't think her conscience has been compromised at all. I she's genuinely got a lot of problematic views, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah. When she, um, when she cracked it at the Senate over welfare reform mm. and spending was beautiful. Mm. Just like, none of you have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Being poor is the most horrible thing ever. Yeah. Since anything ever. Shut up. Give them the money. Shut yeah, up. yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, that was magic. So, yeah, I fair play to Clive for giving us Jackie. Mm. Um, yeah, the big problem I've got is this, this shuffling around of right-wing fools yeah. in the Senate and this fact that, you know, one of our country's most important government organs is being used as a toy basically yeah. by narcissistic uh, cretins yeah you know and maybe in the uk they somewhat avoid this because they've got that like st james's corner right mm. where you can just or speaker's corner in st james's park where all these nuts can just stand on a box and shout at american tourists yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we should have another wing of government called the people's the rompus Senate. room or where something. you yeah. just like let, let let them think that they're senators yeah, <laughs> call it a think tank or something and just randomly pick people out and they can scream to their heart's content and we can ignore it. Hopefully, though, I mean, what what we might be getting, I, I'm fingers crossed, with this, because this kind of essentially means Burston has no principles, right? Yeah. Because the Clive Palmer's party never really stood for anything. Yeah. Um, hopefully, the disaffected 
public that have been sponsoring these guys' meal tickets mm. are going to start savvying to the fact that they they're backing dead horses, right? Yeah. That they can put that dissatisfaction with doing by doing some research, mm. doing some policy analysis. <laughs> Already so hopeful. You know what I mean? They might. You know, they might start putting yeah. that dissatisfaction, which is genuine, right? yeah, 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 into candidates who maybe have some substance to them. Yeah, that would be nice. And want to help the country. I'm nowhere near you don't so think optimistic it's happen. about that. I think until I think it's going to take some other factor to catalyze that. I think for the meantime, as long as they're just kind of uh, wordlessly furious about how, how crazy everything seems to be all the time at the moment. I think that these bizarre kind of fucking avatars of confused dissent are still going to to gain the floor. But, you know, if something else were to come along, if some broad uh, vocalisation of discontent in perhaps the guise of a true leftist platform might come up, then maybe there's a hope that that could be swung to something more productive. Yeah, maybe, it's maybe. Possible. Look, but the left has done well in Australia before at the polls. Yeah. There's no reason why it shouldn't. Uh, it just needs to show up. Yeah, I think is part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that anyway, would be good. I have one more. You've got headline. one more headline. Uh, Tesla workers. Oh, sorry. The last headline was by Amy Ramirez for the Guardian. I forgot to say that. Sorry, Amy. This one by Julie Carey Wong, also for The Guardian. Tesla workers say they pay big price for Elon Musk's big promises. Uh, so. So. E- Elon Musk keeps promising shit, you know, 5,000 cars a year by the end of 2017. Yeah, never happened. Never happened. Uh, fucking gonna test drive a car across the country. Never happened. Never happened. A whole bunch of shit that he keeps promising, and as a result of these promises and the frantic efforts to meet them, workplace safety at the Tesla factory is like there isn't any on workplace the safety floor. at the Tesla factory. They, they have yeah. an astronomical number of injuries, which he and, um, lies about dealing with. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says he said when it sort of first came to light, I am going to meet with everybody who gets injured. I'm going to perform their duty on the line to check it out. I'm going to consult and we're going to make this safer, even though there's a sort of established set of guidelines for, for, uh, yeah, all you need to do is follow the existing law. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And not, I know it's not perfect, especially in America, Mm. but it's basically there if you follow the rules. Yeah. But he's so determined to break from the practices of the auto industry as it exists and reinvent the wheel almost literally. Yeah. That, uh... Because he's a John Galt fuckwit. Yeah, right? So, there's this fucking crazy cult of personality. he just sacked a bunch of them as well, because... Oh, because they dared to try and unionise, or was this a different... No, this this was because he's not making enough money. Oh, okay, cool. And he's... A few months ago, he signed a deal... Mm. which will grant him a deranged amount of wealth on top of what he already has if he can re- get Tesla to reach uh, X revenue point. Whatever. Sure. Well, uh, look forward to By that 20 not something, happening as 2025. well. Yeah. yeah, no, it won't happen. The, <laughs> That's why the board gave him the <laughs> offer, because they know it won't happen. <laughs> yeah. There's a crazy amount of fucking, uh, like... A lot of people really love Elon Musk because yeah. he got space program shit back on the table. Uh, yeah, it's amazing what you can do with billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because his publicity stunt in South Australia had a side effect of actually helping that state's uh, energy situation. which Hugely. is Which is good. You know, they have the best renewable uh, returns, I think, in Australia, apart from Tasmania, I think. Yeah, that sounds um, right. Like proportion of well, e- Elon Musk's tech companies are impressively innovative, yeah. right? They come up with amazing stuff. But, but Elon that's Musk not is a fucking Elon Musk is a, blowhard. Yeah, but also he's not involved in the design of yes. the technology or the research. Yeah, right. He hires if if he does and doesn't have just a HR department that does the hiring. Yeah, he's essentially a, a figurehead who seems to be more of a distraction than a benefit to mm. them companies in question yeah and i'm sure it was his pr arm that suggested that it was a good idea to get involved in sa and stuff yeah, which like it that. was you know it was a great idea 
but a lot of may people... have cost Jay Weatherall the election somehow, <laughs> <but> like bizarrely. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of people, including people on the left or centre left, anyway, really really love him uh, because they think that he's going to save us from the now inevitable climate change disaster. That's yeah, which is too late. It's too late, and sending rockets up into space. I think is a good thing, but it definitely doesn't help fucking climate change. No, in that regard, it's a waste of resources. Yeah, and Tesla cars... I mean, when electric cars become mainstream and the positive effects of that are in place, then Tesla will deserve a place in the history books for kind of being on the front end of that. But that doesn't mean Uh, that Elon Musk is a good person. Eisenbard Kingdom Brunel learned how to make floaty metal ships. He deserves his place in the history books for that, (laughs) but not for his workplace practices. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. Uh, So I just want people to not forget uh, that Elon Musk recently called himself a socialist, albeit a socialist who wouldn't redistribute wealth from more productive people to less productive people. Yeah. So in other words, he's not a socialist. (laughs) And he also said that Marx was a capitalist because he wrote a book on it. Fascinating insights into a deranged mind. Yeah. So when you're developing a cult of personality uh, around somebody and trying to entrench them as a hero, maybe have a more holistic view of their personality. Never set human beings up to be Mm. heroes. Unless it's unless it's about a very specific point of inspiration. Yeah. You know? But generally speaking, never mm. accredit to a human being the dignity of a god because you are setting yourself up for a world of pain. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Darcy. Yes. What's that? Do you hear that on the horizon? It's the unmistakable sound of a perfectly crafted segue. Oh, have I done it again? Oh, marvellous music. Topics. Topic time. What's your first topic? Einstein's a racist fuckwit. <laughs> yes. This was an interesting um, revelation from his personal diaries, mm-hmm. which is written between 1921 and 1922. Mm-hmm. Crucially, when he was in his early 40s, yep. old enough to know better. Yes. But also, also in the 20s. In the 1920s. Yeah. And before he had set himself up as this kind of great humanitarian. Yeah. Because between the publicate or publish these books, between the writing of these completely secret and private <laughs> thoughts, which no one has any business fucking wading through. Yeah. Um, and his speaking up against racism and. Um, on behalf of a general global humanitarian vision, the Second World War and the Holocaust happened, mm. which may have caused him to possibly review his opinions of race and uh, racial science. Yeah, a deep period of soul-searching for a few people, I think. Yeah, but the, the only evidence we have that he is a racist is the fact that he was a racist in the 20s, but he mm. died, you know, close to 40 years after he wrote this shit down there's a pretty reasonable chance he wasn't a racist by the time he became the man everyone knows and loves yeah but even if he was a racist Mm. it's really not relevant to anything really to do with what he's famous for or renowned for or what he achieved well crucially it doesn't make the theory of relativity doesn't make no although fucking Alex Jones is going to be on it like a fucking fox. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> Racial relativity, <laughs> this new world thing where Einstein was designing sex robots made from Chinese orphans. <laughs> Good. A decidedly Excellent. villainous Jones there. <laughs> Buy some mineral pills. They'll keep you virile. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I, w- I want to be on the other side, Karen. Can we stop doing this? <laughs> yeah. This is officially now a right-wing, a far-right fucking alt-right so podcast. So much money selling shit to people. I have um, new tropics to sell you, and they will make you a Viking warrior. So why were people so upset, do you think, by, by the notion that Einstein might have been a racist? Or was it one, at least one point in his life a racist? Because we need Jesus, man, and uh, hold your horses. Uh, We need, or we think we need, messiahs. Yeah. We need there to be these principled people that fucking stand only for good and only for progress and prove that, yes, when you get, there are people at the top that- Human beings can be fundamentally and wholly good. Yeah, because, I mean, the impression that people have is that a lot of the people at the top are fundamentally and incurably bad 
And, you know, who can blame people for thinking that? Although I'm sure even Donald Trump likes some good movies or something. Um, he likes Citizen Kane. There you go. I Ironically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of self-awareness in that. Uh, uh, Donald? Preference. No. <laughs> but um, it's the trap that we keep falling into. It's the trap that we've fallen into with fucking political leaders super recently. It's the trap that we fall into. It's part of why this fucking Me Too movement thing is such a like moment of grief for a bunch of confused and uneducated young white dudes who keep saying, don't believe everything you hear yeah. as if we don't already know that. Yeah. But it's because they've attached themselves to these people. It's why Roman Polanski only just got kicked out of the Academy because we needed to believe that this filmmaking genius. Yeah. Cause his films was, were amazing. Are yeah. amazing. They are still amazing. Yeah. Films. They're incredible films, but you know, he gets a pass while the guy... Did you hear that the guy who shared screeners was the first person to get kicked out and now the only other three people uh. to get kicked out are like Polanski, Weinstein and one of the other abusers. So... Did not know that. <laughs> because okay. screener sharing guy wasn't a Jesus for us. He no, was, he was, we a, could kick he him was out. one of us, so he could... Be. And Einstein is like a very potent image of like the goodness of scientific progress and the conscience of the scientific community at a time when they just created a fucking earth-destroying death weapon. That's very true. Uh, and, and, of course, he was a... Because he never professed faith publicly, really, he was mm. secular, he was somebody that everybody could attach themselves to, yeah, wasn't he? Exactly. He also never spent a lot of time making fun of religion or, or you know, being, yeah, yeah, being yeah. rude about it. So it's, in that seemed, sense, at he least, was a universal human hero, wasn't he? Yeah, at least publicly, he was very genteel and like generous and not stuck up and not uh, fucking opinionated or whatever, except in places where he felt strongly for ethical reasons that he had to be. Mm. And so people really get hung up on that shit, man. Like, if Mr. Rogers comes out as a pedophile, then a bunch of people are going to fucking legitimately suffer and... I don't want to downplay that suffering because I yeah. understand that, you know, being disappointed by somebody close to you is a it's cause a blow. of yeah. legitimate suffering. But we have to be able to navigate that and be like, oh, well, Einstein was a racist when he was young. When he was young. Well, middle-aged. Well, yeah. He was also with his first wife at the time. Like, he, he mm. changed his mind about a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what the details of his racist opinions I are? Just do, to titillate our actually, audience a little bit. And they are, they are indeed racist opinions. Mm. But there's a really interesting little uh, addendum or additional fact to it, mm. which is he did not have anything uh, racist to say about the Japanese. Hmm. So the victims of his ire are the Indian dwellers of the Indian subcontinent, the Chinese, and the Egyptians. Yeah. Okay. Who are, in wow. addition to being obviously not Caucasian, mm. or arguably with Egypt, I get into anthropological <laughs> pedantry. Not they're all not white. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're also overwhelmingly impoverished countries, mm. and that is even truer in the 1920s yeah, than it is now. Yeah, yeah. Hideous levels of poverty. Mm -hmm. uh, and poverty tends to inculcate all of the traits he was complaining about, you know. Oh, in China, he couldn't tell the difference between the men and the women, and he was, you know, appalled at how kind of unattractive and slovenly everybody was. And, mm. you know, the Egyptians were these sort of just horrible, whiny pests trying to sell him it's a useless crap they didn't need yeah. and the you know the indians basically read china but you know yeah. india whereas the japanese he loved he thought japan was wonderful so well everybody loved japan in this as way. as a well <laughs> i mean you know of a certain set as <laughs> it was very popular in the 20s it was, was, it was yeah the uh, orientalism has been going on a while <laughs> but there's a because obviously i'm a socialist there's a class component in here as well, right? Yeah. Which is, you can you can view it as purely racist if you want to. Mm. You can also view it as just quite standard middle class revulsion at the conditions and behaviour of poor people. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably a combination of the two. I think them being foreign literally makes it easier makes for them Makes it easier to, to humanise them, yeah. But the conditions that lead them to, like... Bugging him on the street and being unattractive are probably poverty but and most of his commentary revolves around the, the the consequences of people who live in mm. poverty. 
yeah. who are who are denied education, who are denied nutrition, denied opportunity, and denied sufficient work. Basically, yeah, that's what he w- was revolted by, and that is globally just a standard bourgeois response to yeah. You, that's the still poor. that still goes on a ton now with uh, our good old contemporary racists. Absolutely, when every time that they say that Africans are incapable of civilization, it's because of it's off the back of you know the material conditions of the African continent, which. Yeah. Yeah, because sorry, the, it's not their fault. It's not their fault because the West runs a, mm. or not just the West, the developed and developing worlds run a horrific, crippling trade surplus against Africa. Yeah, so it's and, the, but that's the mechanism by which an yeah, that, economic right. situation gets kind of imbued into a racial. Situation. Oh God, yeah, racists will will, will grab will grab that every <clears> time. <throat> you know, um, they do it. They do it constantly because they're not interested in complex explanations mm. you know that involve maths <laughs> and i struggle with maths as you yeah. remember from my uh, opening article today <laughs> not not great at it actually got me in trouble at heathrow airport that's a different story <laughs> really bad at maths definitely but, all you, <laughs> that's but if you care to discern the truth you mm. can still sit with topics and work it out you know yeah 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 it's it's more than the numbers of maths it's also just the macro scale values and <clears throat> whatnot that are at play yeah i mean I, there was a really good piece by alex low who writes for the south china or oh, the south china morning post i'm going to say cool. uh, which is a hong kong based newspaper which has mm-hmm. a really interesting history in and of itself because it was set up by um, uh, an Englishman and a Chinese national, mm-hmm. and it's always been curated by a mix of English legacy, kind of uh, you know Brit- British journalists and native Chinese yeah. Cantonese journalists, and had to deal with all sorts of different imperial pressures mm. under the empire and under China. Now, fascinating. It was owned by Rupert Murdoch at one point. It's a really interesting wow. paper. But he basically took the tone. It was, it was like a hand wave. It was like, eh, maybe he was racist. I, I'm Chinese. I don't care. His job wasn't to be a non-racist. His job was to do amazing physics, and that's what he did. Yeah. And it was the 20s, and everybody was. Which well, I, That's a bit of a hand wave, because not everybody was. No, but know? it was much more like this is definitely not to let him off the hook. Because yes, it's bad to be racist. Bad like to be racist. Einstein was, and like he's but, definitely smart enough that he should have known better. <clears throat> I yeah. think. But but this is the twenties where that was the if it wouldn't have been everybody, but that was an accepted mainstream line of thought. And we were coming up on the decades where, on every side of every ocean, people would be experimenting with the ideas around eugenics. That's and right. Eugenics like was that. very like, popular, and it <clears> wasn't. <throat> it wasn't a reactionary position. A lot of progressives were very interested in eugenics. Yeah. The newspaper headlines were full of the yellow peril, and uh, yeah, it was really the the like. Uh, it was a, it was a feverishly first, racist period. Yeah, yeah. the f- figuring out racism in the era of globalization at first, like just coming to a head. In a fucking massive genocide, obviously, in the se- or several massive genocides uh, in the years of the Second World War. So definitely not letting him off the hook. But no, was- no, not defending him. But my, my, I'm, I'm just interested in why people were so upset by this. Yeah, because I don't think it's a particularly big deal. Um, yeah, man from twenties was racist. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but also the fact that. People, when when this was interrogated by the media, I was interested by the way they didn't contextualize the diary entry. You know, there was no talk about, oh, well, then, you know, the logical consequences of racism broke out in the 1930s and 40s, and a lot of people changed their minds about a lot of things after that happened. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, because, I mean, what's in it for them by contextualising it? Yeah, so it was a while afterwards he said racism is a white man's disease. You know, this is clearly not the same man yeah. who wrote that, you know, yeah. Chinese peasants are gross as fuck um, diary entry. Yeah. So there's like, well, yeah, he was a racist. Does that mean... It's an interesting question. Do you have to, like, put all of someone's opinions and experiences together at the end of their life to work out who they were, or do you mm. just, like, snapshot what the, the their collection of opinions and beliefs happen to be when they like the moment they drop yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting question i think it depends on how you want to treat 
these people as objects because that's how you're treating them. Yeah. Whoever's upset Einstein isn't a person to you. He's an abstract concept, like a series of things that a man called Einstein did. Yeah, all right, David Hume. Categorized as this loose (laughs) aggregation of knowledge. Just a bundle of perceptions, you know. Yeah, yeah, there's truth to that. Uh, There's a lot of truth to it. I agree. Um, but I like him. <clears throat> what is important is that he's he's not in this configuration in the way that people are experiencing Einstein. He's not a person. He's a yeah. He's, he's a messianic figure, right? Yeah. And I, I think it's. Im- I'm kind of glad that this came out mm. because I, I think we need to do away with this notion of perfection. Yeah, I agree with. Uh, you. I think it, it, it's responsible for a lot of our individual fucking neuroses and disorders and insecurities, mm. but it's also responsible for a lot of really unhelpful philosophies of government and you know theories of population yeah that there's this uh potential for us to reach a level of perfection that we just can't we need yeah. to let go of that and really develop a more realistic view of who we are and, and what we're capable of <laughs> yeah yeah it's, never trust a fucking utopian that's for sure because every utopia has the seeds of its own dystopia in it yeah i don't know if that's a quote from somebody but if not it should be it should well it's a quote from you if it's not a quote from yeah somebody. exactly put it up on good quotes sounds kind of disturbingly maoist but <clears throat> that's okay i'm sure you didn't mean it with the same Oh no! I'm criticizing launching now the cultural it. revolution intensity. <laughs> but this is his theory of uh, of, of con- internal contradictions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which is fucking broadly expressed the in a weirdly insightful thing for Chairman Mao to come up. I know, with. right? I suspect it wasn't his idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he. I think. He repeated that in confusion with an implicit question mark as he walked out of a meeting with a much smarter person and somebody immediately wrote it down. Who was being garroted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we we do need to do away with the idea of perfection, certainly in the way that we're... This whole celebrity thing is like a little bit new. Um, It's obviously not new to any of us. We've grown up in an era of celebrities and stuff, and they've been around throughout modern society and to a lesser extent or in a different, more rarefied, legendary sense in older societies. But uh, it's still, on a broad scale, fairly new, and I think we're kind of fucking ourselves into a weird corner with it in a lot of ways. People are starting to lose their minds over the associations and opinions of a bunch of people that they don't know. Jack, uh, Jack... Gleason, mm. the actor who played Joffrey in Game of Thrones, yeah. had an interesting uh, thesis that he presented to the Oxford Student Union, mm. which was that um, the problem of celebrity is based on uh, a kind of rudimentary human instinct to emulate the successful. Yeah. Right? Which is how co- trends begin. It's like, oh, that guy's really good at hunting. I noticed that he does this, you know. Mm has these marks on his spear or wears his hair a certain way, well, whatever, you know. It yeah. can't hurt if I if I do that as well. Sure. And uh, because, of course, he had a brief moment of being a celebrity, he, f- he found it very disturbing how <laughs> yeah. how people started to treat him as, you know, any anything other than an adolescent who was an actor. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, yeah. That, it would be wild. Kudos to him for having that level of He seems quite restraint. bright. Yeah, uh, not restraint, and- yeah, sorry, self-awareness and intelligence about it. Uh, I'm really sick of, like, young musicians getting super popular and then having their second album be about the struggles of fame. <laughs> like, because they run out of shit to write after they've written all of their insincere and half-felt love songs, and then the only thing that they have to draw on is the insanity with which the world now greets them yeah well and this is sort of begs that we don't write another album yeah but they have to to keep the bread coming in and then people begin to think that that's what music is about and that's what art is about and therefore that's what being human is about and so you have all of these absolute fucking nobodies who have all of these defense mechanisms about fame when they work at the fucking 7-Eleven down the road and they don't have any sort of conceptions of, you know, how to be kind or how to be politically aware or anything like that. It's an interesting thought, Kieran. I hadn't, hadn't approached it from that angle. It bothers me. Fame bothers me. Uh, as a very famous person. Yeah, well, I, I find it, you know, not that I'm in danger of becoming famous, but I find mm. it a deterrent to success. Like, yeah. I'm working on this book... I occasionally worry that it will 
that someone will buy it and it will take <laughs> off and yeah. people will suddenly know who I am or even mm. indeed this show, right? Yeah. These are narrow odds. I think we're pretty safe, but yeah. there's still like a slight kind of, I fucking really don't want these people to know who I, yeah, <laughs> who yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it could be <clears throat> grim. We can be honest here because we're both creative practitioners and any creative practitioner has a level of, I don't know if it's a survival mechanism or just boilerplate self-delusion yeah. about uh, the possibility of becoming famous. And is that thing where you want your work to be well known, but you absolutely don't want to be You don't want anybody recognising you when you yeah. go to the shop. Yeah, God, yeah. that would just be horrific. Or like if you... <laughs> I find myself in these forward projections being like, it would be nice if like maybe once every three months, I think that's about the period that I need a good externalized confidence boost. If somebody could come up and be like, Hey, you're Kieran. I uh, read your book or listened to your show or heard your music or whatever. And I thought it was really good, but any more than that, fuck that. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I was actually, I was doing me grocery shopping a couple of days ago and mm. Hamish Blake was, filling up his shopping trolley and we very 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 for a nanosecond made eye mm. contact and he that looked like he was panicking he was like <laughs> i was like yeah <laughs> please yeah. do I, not recognize can, me i'm just trying to find the right fucking potatoes I'm just yeah find i can already barely stand to go to the fucking <laughs> shops to buy potatoes right imagine how bad it would if be there was a reasonable chance that people had opinions about you yeah anybody could just come up at you with their opinions and especially if like this show got any traction the number of like because i live in a fucking conservative place the number of self-satisfied old men who would be coming up to me and being like oh yeah yeah listen no, yeah i just had a couple of thoughts about that thing that you said about oh. elon musk and uh entrepreneurs and what i really just wanted to say and just be like i've made up five bad jokes off the top of my head based on a headline that i read that See, morning please I, I, I would rather deal with old tories than if we ever pick up like a body of listeners who like our show but yeah. are also pedantic as fuck yeah running into them being like mm. the list of things that you got wrong yeah, Last yeah, week's yeah, yeah. Episode. You're basically a Nazi, and this is the. <laughs> That's the problem. I don't know if you've ever been on like a leftist podcast subreddit. Oh my! But this, God. this is why you never read your own comments because the fucking regularity with that's, which it comes up that like this person really needs to think about themselves see that's another stuff. reason why I, I sometimes want to be on the other side because mm. alex jones doesn't have like critical feedback from his listeners no they're just bang dogs they love him yeah it's just and oh. it's everybody who criticize him uh criticizes him is easily categorized by him as an enemy and yeah. what do you do with enemies you fucking disagree with them and be like if they think i'm doing something wrong i must be doing something right yeah that's right an elite hmm what a narcissistic turn this took, but... Yeah, but... It's an interesting topic. It's an interesting topic. Because we're talking about, yeah, cults of personality and celebrity and stuff. Um, I think you're allowed a couple, a couple of people who you'd be truly devastated if it came out that they were... Like, genuinely wicked. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, don't make a big deal out of it as a public thing. You, you're allowed to make a big deal out of it as a personal thing, I think. I think it's perfectly healthy to feel disappointed if anybody you respect turns out to... Yeah, definitely. You know, because there's also a line to draw between, like, uh, a reasonable foible and being yeah. a cunt. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, for the, I can't imagine that anybody was a big fan of Harvey Weinstein, but, like... Don't think anyone was personally very fond of him, no. no. Miramax. People were fans of Miramax and stuff, but yeah, I don't think anyone's sure. crazy so, at Weinstein. Or, like, uh, I don't know, but if, you know, CK. People were big fans of CK, right? People were. So, at that point, you're allowed to be, like, personally upset, and also there's a platform there to talk about larger issues. Obviously, that's... That's true. You fucking... can use him as an entry point into an mm. argument about... Um, Especially amongst the progressive movement, like male aggression in the progressive movement. Yeah. He definitely. But don't fucking wig out and either A, go into a state of denial and be like, no, Louis C.K. is totally fine. It's fine. They I see so many people being like, they basically consented to be trapped in a hotel room and <laughs> masturbated in front of. It's like, no, man, it was pretty fucking scummy. Uh, so don't do that and, and don't fucking with somebody like Einstein turn around and then be like, all right, well, he's out of the fucking history books thing. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, again, significant contributions to science. Stalin just polishing people out of photographs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
The world is a fucking complicated place. That's a baby cakes quote. And it is important to always be able to move on your fucking feet when it comes to value judgments of changeable things like people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's all I have to reflect on for now. What an interesting topic. It was nice, wasn't it? We mm. might come back to this this dehumanization of, of, of impressive individuals later. Yeah, there's a lot of angles on it. There that, are. That we've kind of... Um, mm. But I, th- I think it's possibly time for your... Yes. So I have a little topic, topic. Inspired by your uh, little series of primers around terminology and language. I thought that uh, a B topic, a sort of minor topic, might be a good place to just kind of do an easy and safe debunk, a sort of foundational debunk. Safe, eh? For listeners who are Whoa. confused about the concept of trickle-down economics. Oh, good, because this idea will not die on its own. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. needs a lot of violence. This is a thing that, like, <laughs> it's kind of like a door... Like, debunking this is, a, like, an entry point thing that you have to do to get into leftist thought or whatever, which means that it doesn't actually get a lot of, like, it's more subtle or finer points get a lot of discussion, but just the basics of it don't get a lot of discussion because it's, like, having to clarify that, you know, you need to drink water to survive every time you have a conversation. It's just known. Yes, people do make assumptions. So, trickle-down economics is the... Uh, idea that money invested into the wealthy, uh, the job creators, if you will, will then trickle down. So tax cuts for the rich, uh, tax cuts for big business, all of that sort of stuff. The idea is that their increased profits will lead them to give more jobs and gradually the money will trickle down into the right. rest of the population. So they're going to reinvest, they're going to invest those profits. Is it? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I have a probably too broad and (laughs) reductive thing. But uh, basically, the important thing about money in an economic sense is not its location, but its motion, right? One dollar, the power of that dollar is where it can go, how many times it can change hands and what it can contribute. Yeah. And basically, uh, in direct contradiction with the theory of trickle-down economics, a dollar to the poor circulates uh, for much longer than a dollar to the rich, it changes hands more often because the poor are more likely to spend most of their money than the rich. <clears throat> this is called, uh, like, a multiplier effect. Yes. Uh, I'm not an economist, so you... No, but you are correct. You've studied some eco- yeah. economics, though, so just jump in if I say it anything delightful. That's, that's wrong. So, basically, poor people, their spending has a bigger multiplier effect than rich people. Now, the rich may invest that into a business or, or something, that dollar they're likely to invest less of it into sort of circulation than they are. Like, the majority of that dollar, or more than the poor person's dollar, will go into either sort of material assets that don't directly contribute uh, to the economy or into sort of fucking Swiss bank accounts or into, you know, stock speculation, which has a questionable uh, positive effect. It has no uh, positive effect. (laughs) Often it has a drastic deleterious effect on the economy but yeah so this is like a pretty reductive maybe model of it there are instances in which it's good to invest in uh businesses and stuff but basically at the point that we're at now um what it does is like build up the ultra rich and just sap money out uh from the poor no, that's spot on. You're doing very well. I should just quickly jump in because supply-side economics, it, as part of the economic discipline, mm-hmm. is not advocacy for the supply side of the economic market. It's just that aspect of economics which studies the behaviour of the supply side, right? Yeah. Um, and you have demand-side economics as well where you look at the behaviour and the uh, influence of consumers. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Um, That's just to offset pedants. Yes, yeah, a good thing to do, a very important move. Uh, So essentially, there are a couple of other factors here, like if uh, you buy local, your multiplier effect is greater, and if you buy international, it's lesser. But the important takeaway is that studies of these movements have always suggested that 
in an economy set up like ours is today, and like most Western economies are set up today, a dollar in the hand of the poor will go further than a dollar in the hand of the rich. It will generate more, you know, three, five dollars or whatever than a, a rich dollar will, because they tend to lock shit up and stop it from moving. Yeah. Um, this has a kind of cascade effect, or it works with a couple of other things to create a cascade effect where when a class divide reaches a sort of deep enough trench and wages stop growing, uh, the economy suffers because the people at the bottom of the socioeconomic heap don't have the money to spend on non-essential goods and services. Uh... So, basically, energy companies and landlords and stuff make out like bandits, but uh, people who are trying to open small businesses like cafes and fucking independent cinemas or whatever, they all start to wither and die because there's less money to go back into the economy. So, this idea that suppressing wages will somehow increase uh, economic outlooks... Yeah, well, because in theory, the job creator will be able to create the, more jobs, but each of those jobs will have their money. There's no point creating more jobs them. because the consumer base is not able to sustain them. So yeah. the wealthy just keep all the money. Yeah, they, exactly. They, they, they are, by definition, not people who unnecessarily spend because they've accumulated. They're accumulators, they're not distributors. Yeah. Right? The poor are distributors, they're not accumulators. So if you want economic growth and you want economic activity, you're better mm. off having a poorer upper class and a wealthier lower class. Yeah. Essentially. So this is good economics if you're a conservative as well. Yeah. If you're thinking about macroeconomics, not your own personal greedy economics. Yeah, this isn't even like revolutionary leftist economics no, or anything this no, is just not an basic fact, kind of idea um, supply th this this trickle down theory wasn't accepted by conservative thinkers until reagan and yeah. um, not all conservative thinkers have embraced it a lot of them no and where it gets accepted it mostly seems to get accepted either disingenuously because of the material it's going to say uh, by benefits. by people who aren't real economists like the yeah. ipa yeah <laughs> or or by like purely on the basis of ideology there's really not a lot of uh science behind it but yeah it's called reaganomics a lot because of that association with reagan and the way that he managed to kind of get it off the ground in the u.s so the, I mean, that's the basics of it, but the last point that I want to put on this, uh, before we talk about it a little bit, maybe is that we've kind of developed a situation where we have a bit of a ransom economy at the moment. So there are certain things which you have to spend on and the people providing these services, energy companies, landlords, uh, you know, banks, etc. they know this. And so it's in their interests to perpetuate this idea of trickle-down economics and to keep it so that all or as much as possible of your paycheck is going to them and then either by monopolies which we have a distressing number of in this country although we yeah. seem to refuse to call them such or by <laughs> kind of like the dark cabals of landowners you know whose own self-interest <laughs> relies on mutual price gouging they end up fucking gouging people more and more and more and more and our fucking economy shrinks, like, in number of providers. Yeah. As well as in sort of health. The other, like, angle to this is how insidious the debt idea is, right? Mm. Because the... So, the, in, in principle, debt is fine. You know, you get one big injection into the economy and then it's repaid and it sort of helps things get purchased where they are, can't be Are you be talking purchased. about government debt or private debt? Private debt. Right. Good. Um, but I uh, don't know a fucking thing about government debt. <laughs> but in private debt, like, the idea is that, you know, you need an injection of cash to start up a business or to buy a house. You repay that. Everybody kind of wins. Yeah, you, and get, that's you get what you wanted and that your money lender ends up wealthier because of interest. Yeah. But, of course, over the last, I don't know, fucking forever here and abroad, we move towards this increased emphasis on debt and this kind of permadebt that people find themselves in. Yes, because loans became a tool for meeting living expenses, mm. which is not what they are. In a, in a functioning free market, mm. as it were, um, you're getting paid a fair wage for your work, which is in line with your living expenses mm -hmm. because free markets are fair. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you never need to dip into debt for 
compulsory spending, basically. Yeah. Um, but that's magical nonsense. And <laughs> yeah. what happens is, of course, debt becomes a tool by which employers can forego their responsibilities to pay their staff properly. Mm. Um, people live off debt and then the system perpetually collapses because the debt's not productive. Yes. And uh, it f- functions as kind of this safety funnel, right? For the If you've got kind of $100 and some are going to the rich and some are going to the poor, debt functions almost as this magical funny, which funnel which takes the dollars which go to the poor and then immediately have to go back to repaying the debt and they end up going to the rich anyway. That's right, yeah. So trickle-down economics has, of course, to anybody who Would- knows anything about it, accomplished the opposite of its stated goals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, rising tides, lifting all ships is a very clumsy and useless metaphor for the complexities of yeah. civilised life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it doesn't work when uh, you've spent all because of your money. Because there's no on- single tide. They turn out to be geysers and troughs and... Yeah, it's yeah. It's more like a storm. And nobody can afford a fucking boat, <laughs> yeah. so they just you, drown. You, you need a fucking boat, yeah, without yeah. a working boat, <laughs> a seaworthy boat. <laughs> yeah, uh, a private yacht. Um Yes, so in essence, the way when people are talking about tax cuts to business being good and tax cuts to the ultra rich being good because it enables them to distribute their largesse upon the people and grow the economy, this is the information that you have to be armed with. At its most basic level, $1 to a poor person gives you a better return on investment than $1 to a rich person. That is unequivocally correct. And, uh,. Just think for a second about how an economy is built and what supply and demand means and that for a consumerist society, you have to have consumers. And again, this isn't fucking radical leftist economic politics by any fucking margin. This is mainstream economic. Yeah, no, I'm uh, reasonably confident that even Milton Friedman does Mm. not advocate for this kind of trickle-down theory. Yeah, it's a it's a relatively recent ideological phenomenon that seems to be sort of end game shit for monstrous capitalists to kind yeah. of get as much into their coffers as they they've, can. They've they've done economic theology basically. They've started off with the answer that they wanted, and then they've yeah. tortured logic yeah. to fit that kind of I think equation. And it therefore, doesn't... I am. Yeah, <laughs> and if I am able to think, am I not then creating wealth in the economy by hoarding it for myself? I mean, it's still wealth in the economy. It's just not really, you know, in the economy. It's wealth, though. Yeah. I am in Australia and I have wealth, therefore. It's there. The irony here is that the rich people seem fucking completely unwilling to invest in things which will lock up, for example, greenhouse gases into, say, forestation programs or whatever, Mm. but they're perfectly willing to lock up uh, the magic gas of money. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That seemed a lot cleverer in my head. Well, you know, it was, a, it was still a point made. It was still mm. a point made. Mm. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, actually, because mm. I, I was kind of remiss in not... It hasn't really... It was surprising it hasn't really popped up earlier in our conversations, actually. Well, I mean, this is... This surprised me as well, but then I was thinking about it. This is why I came to the conclusion that, like, I think in a lot of these conversations, this is just treated as knowledge. And so why a lot of sort of average idiots go into leftist conversations and they start thinking that everybody is thinking magically, it's just because they right. you know, they know that this is how it works. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. And they have a line. They're like, money to the rich goes to the poor eventually, but the left doesn't have an equivalent line and of this is another, money to the poor. There's another yeah. point in favour of cooperatives, in fact, because what you yes. get with trickle-down economics is this theory or this mentality that government has to bribe businesses. Mm bribe them to do business here or they'll leave and you bribe them with tax cuts. Yeah. Which is firstly not true because there are a lot of developed no. countries with higher tax rates than us that are full of businesses. Like, well, Apple isn't going to I don't know, a little continent called Europe, for yeah, instance. Yes. Um, and Japan, in fact, has mm. higher taxes than us. Yeah, quite high. Um, but, you know, this is this whole theory is based on the idea that there is a money-controlling class... Yeah. and a money-earning class, and that yeah. that's how society has to be arranged, and you have to appease the money-controlling class, regardless mm. of the consequences to the rest of the country. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's simply a nonsense. There's no reason why the working yeah. class can't also be the money-controlling class. Yeah. Well, quite simply, the way... Except it- that they don't 
we don't work in cooperatives, we work in shareholder capitalism. Yeah, yeah. Quite simply, the way that it works now is with a money controlling class, you get this weird class of executives or whatever, and because money that goes to them is less likely to keep moving around, they rep- they're they seen as uh, a productive force, but in like when you take their situation on a bigger scale you see that they represent the blockages in the economy that keep yeah. dragging it to a fucking halt yeah a part of this comes from the problem with the way that uh, some economists define productivity which is mm. literally how much money you earn yeah which means that a man who wins the lottery is more productive than a construction worker <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah, so there's there's an issue there with academics refusing to use appropriate language when they're discussing topics, which is not just contained <laughs> to this issue. No, no, no. That's <laughs> ah, I just attacked the microphone. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> so is the equipment. Um, yeah, and a further little point to this is c- stop complaining about welfare payments because all of that money gets fucking spent. Yeah, welfare is actually moves. the best way to subsidise efficient local businesses. Yeah, it, it all gets spent. And stop complaining that they're spending your taxpayer dollars on fucking booze and cigarettes because those things are taxed out the arse. So if you don't want your tax dollars being spent on these people in the first place, that's the best place for them to spend their fucking money because most of it goes straight back to the coffers while simultaneously stimulating a tobacconist or a bottle Indeed. And, um, you know, you're only getting taxed that highly because you're getting paid money that you don't deserve in the first place. Yeah. Go hang. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You're taking way too great a share of your firm's uh, productivity. Mm. So, as a fairly economically illiterate person, that was my... Well, poor for, man's for, primer to priming for an economically illiterate person, it was pretty impressive economic literacy, I've got to say. Thank you. You could teach our parliamentarians a thing or two. That fucking horrifies me more Isn't than anything terrific? we've heard. Yeah, it's grim. Mm. Well, that's it then. Grimness is where we <laughs> uh, end it. Well, also, I just want to want to just quickly mention, oh, yes. we did not discuss uh, the North Korea summit. No. Because there's nothing to discuss. Get over it. <laughs> Kim didn't agree to anything. All well, we, all that Donald Trump did was give him a fucking photo op with an idiot US president. Mm. Nothing to talk about. The world's most expensive fucking... Waste of fucking time. Yes. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>